This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome back to the Agenda Podcast here on the Blood Red Channel. I'm your host, Edward Kay, and I'm joined today for a debut on the Agenda by Richard Garnett. And we are going to be looking into Liverpool's summer rebuild project. That's pretty much what we're looking at now at this point. Obviously, a better result last night for the Reds, but a lot of issues still needing to be solved. Um, we'll start with, I mean, I don't expect this to be an issue, Rich, but um, are you expecting Jurgen Klopp to stick around for the rebuild? Obviously, there's been a lot of talk recently about that seven-year trend with Dortmund and Mainz, and I think he's in his eighth year with the Reds now, but he's spoken at length in uh, recent press conferences in the embargo about his plans for the future, and obviously only signed a contract extension last year. Obviously, there's no chance he's going to be jumping ship and he'll be sticking around for the rebuild, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any concerns there whatsoever. Uh, He didn't sign a new contract lately. um, And what we've, if anything, we've learned from Jurgen Klopp over the last uh, however many years it's been, six or seven years, is that you know he's an, a loyal individual with uh, a, an important emphasis on personal values, and that has been reflected by him right the way through his uh, managerial managerial tenureship uh, at Liverpool, and and was something that he took into account when he signed the new contract. Obviously, there's a, some uh, other forces at play uh, that that do, do need to be considered, such as. When he signed the contract, he obviously didn't know that FSG were going to put the club up for sale or look for additional investments. But I, I don't think that really detracts too much from uh, the situation. He signed the contract with Liverpool. Um, it's not going to be for a small amount of money, is it? So I'm sure he'll have no trouble seeing that out. But yeah, there's no worries on that front. Yeah, and you mentioned um, FSG and the sale there, and I wanted to come on to that, obviously, because if we are going to be going into a rebuild, Jurgen Klopp's going to need to be given the means to rebuild his squad. Jamie Carragher on Sky a couple of weeks ago saying he reckoned around 200 to £250 million pounds is needed. Is he going to get that from FSG, given they're looking now more likely to be looking for investors rather than a full sale? Well, the problem you've got is you we're in a period of uncertainty uh, around a number of things, uncertainty on who he might ship out and who he might bring in and uncertainty over what sort of war chest he'll actually have to deal with. I mean, there was some talk last week, wasn't there, about there being two separate budget plans, one if FSG gets an investor or sells the club and one if they don't. I mean, it's, I think it's quite hard to be able to, to plan for that, especially the one if they do sell the club because... There are so many mitigating factors around that, not least who actually buys the club and what sort of money they're prepared to give him, because that that won't necessarily be a, a decision of FSGs, depending on what the uh, what the makeup of the deal is. So uh, it's difficult to say, but what what is certain now is that if Liverpool are going to keep pace with Manchester City and the emerging force of Newcastle United, they're going to have to spend a lot of money and probably more than they have done in recent years. And that would be less prevalent if Liverpool were top of the league right now and looking like world beaters. Well, I'm afraid they're looking anything but that at the moment. So, yeah, I think I think regardless of whether there's new owners around the table come August, 
Liverpool are still going to have to spend the money if they want to compete. Otherwise, you, you know, you are looking at a couple of years in the wilderness. Yeah, and obviously, if they're going to get that money, a lot of Liverpool's um, transfer business in recent years has been based on a sort of sell to buy. You look at Coutinho going to Barcelona and that's what was the catalyst for Alisson and Van Dijk coming in. We're going to start by looking at the midfield and we'll take a look at who could be exiting first. Three names spring to mind off the top of my head. Uh, you know, Naby Keita, James Milner, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. But it's not looking too likely, is it, Richard, that they're going to be getting any money in for any of those three players? No. Uh, and I suppose in that sense, it kind of goes away uh, against uh, FSG's operating model or how, how they've been successful in the transfer market over the last sort of five or six years. Um, yeah, Naby Keita definitely looks like a player who's just running down his contract. Uh, and Oxlade Chamberlain, his time is up. And whether James Milner uh, gets another honorary extension to his uh, uh, never-ending Liverpool career remains to be seen. But even if he does, he's, he's not going to be uh, at the forefront of first-team selection, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, so, so no real money to be made there. I was having a conversation about this just beforehand because if you're overhauling a midfield, Keita, Oxlade, Chamberlain, Milner, none of those players are regular first-team starters this season. Your regulars are more uh, Firmino, Henderson, Thiago, if you, if you want to take you know the senior pros or the, or the names that are, are always under consideration. So you could have a situation, if you changed them and Keita, Oxley, Chairman Milner. Well, there's six midfielders. Just seems quite uh, drastic, doesn't it? It's not. It's not very likely that that's going to happen. So th th there is. There's a bit of a problem there. And, and unless there is a, a cash injection or, or an FSG are willing to to, as I say, sanction sanction uh, more funds for Klopp outside the usual remit, one of the big names is probably going to have to go. Uh, and who that is remains to be seen. It could well be which of those players uh, would probably get the best resale value. Uh, I'm not too sure on contract lengths, but if you, if you look at the ages of the players, you you probably, out of those three, you're probably looking at, at Firmino uh, as the one that could probably uh, recoup the biggest transfer fee, I would imagine. Um, but it, is there an appetite there for, for him to move him on and, and bring someone else in to play that role? I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious question. Obviously, his form hasn't been great this season by any stretch. Um, and we, we've just uh, seen a, a little uh, insight yesterday in what the future could hold in the in the shape of Stefan uh, Basetic. That's not to say that he would be the successor, but but you know there could be a life after Firmino. Uh, Fabino, sorry, I said Firmino. Apologies, Fabino. I mean, get my f's mixed up. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, We've seen a hint of the future in the base of that midfield of who could come in and do that role if you didn't go out and spend the money on a player. But it's difficult because if if you don't change any of those of that of that central three, you're only really changing the window dressing around the sides, aren't you? So he's got tough decisions to make. He said this week that he's not overly um, loyal. To, to players, he'd be prepared to call some some names, and I think I think maybe he could be one of the big names that goes. Yeah, I wanted to touch on Bicetic briefly, um, just on the kind of midfielders you think Jurgen Klopp might need to be bringing in. Obviously, 
a lot of a lot of people I've spoken to mentioning that we might need maybe not a direct replacement for Bino, but a backup number six. Do you think Bicetic is is good enough to be that backup number six, or do you think Liverpool will look to go into the market for that? Um, I don't think I've seen enough of them to be able to to say, yeah, he's your man as a backup. What I would say though is if Liverpool were to dip into the market and spend a fair whack of money on a on a player for that sort of position, it's probably not going to be as a backup, but more as a replacement for Fabino. Uh, and if that's the case, he may feel that uh, Basetic is is uh, good enough to to you know to play that second fiddle, to play that supporting role. And if he continues in the same vein of form as he did yesterday. Um, then, then that's great, and that will, that will save Liverpool a bit of money. Um, but I, yeah, I couldn't, I can't see, I can't see them spending. If, if money's tight and you need to spend quite a bit of money to overhaul a midfield, I can't see them doing it just to bring in a backup. Yeah, and I think most people um, speak to a lot of fans saying it's it's definitely not just one, maybe two, maybe three midfielders that Liverpool need to be looking to bring in in the summer, and obviously people. Wouldn't uh wouldn't turn down a January signing? I don't think. Rich, what what kind of midfielders? What what profile of midfielder do you think Liverpool are going to be looking at in the summer? Well, what they're looking at and why what might might be two different things. But they need there's they need runners. There's no energy in there, is there? It, it hasn't been good enough. It was a little bit better for 45 minutes um, last night. Uh, a lot of that coming from the front to be fair, and energy from the likes of Harvey Elliott. But generally speaking, this season, there's been such a drop-off in terms of energy in midfield that it, that it is alarming. And, and whether that is uh, just the necessity to inject new blood in there, uh, we, we'll have to uh, leave that to the judgment of Jürgen Klopp. But I, I think if if you're planning on playing in the same way that he has, which, which deep down I think is probably what he really wants to do, he's got his tried and trusted... 4-3-3 formation. It's been successful for him. He's got very good fullbacks. Uh, we might not have hit the heights of previous seasons this year, but there's, I don't think there's any danger of, of either of them being replaced. Um, and and, and it, that puts the focus on uh, assists and what have you coming from those wide areas and, and, and from whoever he has in his front three. So, But the energy in the team uh, needs to be uh, brought back to life. And I, I think... You know, players like uh, Moises Casado, uh, a uh, uh, Brighton, and, and and anyone who it, it doesn't necessarily have to be ball players as such. You know what I mean? As long as people are are, are good in possession, um, but but people who can just bring drive and energy to that part of the field, so that Liverpool can start playing higher up the pitch. Because it, I mean, I know it's the worst example, and it's probably the worst you've seen Liverpool play uh, for quite some time, but. That, that performance against Brighton, too much of it was played in their own half. You know, they just couldn't get out of there and, and it all comes down to not having the energy and not being able to get around the pitch to to, to press higher up and, and, and play in the areas where, where Liverpool should be, really. So, definitely definitely players that were going to bring that spark and energy and a few Duracell bunnies. Yeah, I won't go and miss. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, and uh, one name that springs to mind, of course, we can't really talk about Liverpool's summer recruitment without touching on uh, the prospect of signing Jude Bellingham. Obviously, only 19 years old. He's definitely 
of that mould of a Duracell bunny, bring plenty of energy and youth to that Liverpool midfield. But I ask most people this uh, on the pod, whereabouts on the barometer of likely to unlikely are you sitting on the Jude Bellingham to Liverpool at the moment? Oh, I hate to be boring, but probably right in the middle. I, I honestly think it's it's that um, that uncertain. There's a lot of, I say, come back to uncertainty. I've just been writing a piece about that today. There's a lot of uncertainty around at the moment. No one really likes uncertainty, do they? Because it's, it's hard to make um, calculations and projections on things. But if Liverpool finish eighth in the Premier League, um, and, unless there's you know a gentleman's agreement and and, and on the lowdown, Jude Bellingham is committed to coming to Liverpool Football Club, uh, regardless of where they finish in the table. Then it would be difficult to see why he would join uh, a side that wouldn't be competing in Europe or wouldn't be in the Champions League when he knows full well he can basically have his have his pick of clubs and 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 they'll have Real Madrid waiting there to uh, to take him. It'd be very difficult to turn that down, wouldn't it? But I I, I would love Jude Bellingham to come. I, I do have reservations though over how much he would cost. And if you put all your eggs in one basket with Jude Bellingham, at what price is that to uh, uh, you know an overhaul of the other areas of the team that need improvement, not least the other midfield roles because. I feel like we've seen enough of this current midfield to know that it's pretty unlikely that it's ever going to get back to what it was before. So it's going to take more than just one player um, in, in the engine room to, to get Liverpool competing with the likes of uh, Newcastle and, and Manchester City. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 in the balance at the moment. Um, come on, Jude. Don't worry about the money. Strike a deal and, and get yourself to Anfield. But yeah, not not at the detriment of bringing in other players that they might need. Yeah, I, I would suspect that if it is, if Bellingham is Anfield bound, it'll probably be Bellingham and another in midfield rather than, you know, three players coming in because of the money that he would cost. But we'll move on to the forward line now. Obviously, seems to have been prioritised over the midfield in January with Cody Gakpo having come in a lot of people arguing that that transfer wasn't needed and that they should have prioritised midfielder. I'm not sure about wasn't needed because I don't think anybody wants to be seeing Oxlade-Chamberlain starting three games in a row in that attacking left position. So I think Gakpo was needed. But do you think there's any argument that Liverpool might need to bring in another forward in the summer as well? Um, if if Roberto Firmino goes, then there's probably an argument there. But I guess... Some of it comes down to what the you know the long term prognosis is for Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz because if you've got all of those players fit, Diaz is in your side without question, Mo Salah's in your side, and then you've got Jota and Gapko um, and Nunes to, to to battle over those positions, and I, I think you're going to have a job keeping all of those players um, satisfied. I think it is difficult uh, for Gakpo to, to come in at this at this juncture. We've already seen the adaption that uh, Darwin Nunes has had to make to this uh, Liverpool team, which, whether we like it or not, is is now in a period of transition. Life after Mane, it's not been an easy um, adjustment for the team, and Nunes has had his work cut out. Yeah, I think he's. 
pretty much getting there now. It doesn't feel like too long until the goals are going to start going in for Nunes, based purely on the chances that he's getting and the work rate that he's putting in as well. There's no there's no lack of application there. So if you bring another forward in, what you need to have a pretty defined purpose as to what you want them for. And and I think the only reason that might happen is if Liverpool simply don't deliver enough goals between now and the end of the season. If the, if they don't, then that might send alarm bells ringing. You may even see one shipped out. Who knows uh, to, to try and uh, offset the cost? Who that would be? I don't know. Not too sure. Um, can't see it being Nunes. Um, I, I, and it certainly won't be Luis Diaz. So I don't know what you do there. But of course... Jurgen Klopp said he wants Roberto Firmino to stay. That probably gives him the right balance up top. Um, but uh, if, if he does go, then th- there may be an opportunity there. But if, if you look at some of the other players that he's got, uh, Elliot, Cavallio, even uh, Ben Doak on the fringes now, particularly the first two, they don't have defined roles in this Liverpool team yet. What are they? Are they forwards? Are they midfielders? Where's the best positions? That, that that doesn't seem nailed down yet. So if, if if you are looking to mix things up a bit up front, that I think there's still opportunities to explore there. It's just uh, how much time uh, Jurgen Klopp's prepared to give them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if Firmino stays, and I'd be more than happy with him getting you know another year. I think he I think he sort of earned it with how much he pulled us through before that World Cup break. You know, he was pretty much the only guy scoring goals. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be more than happy for Firmino to stay for another year and we could go it, this summer without... It, it's another experienced player as well, you know what I mean? Especially when you're, when you're needing to sort of overhaul certain parts of the team. It's, you don't want to rid yourself of your experienced players too quickly, especially ones with, uh, you know, exceptional know-how like uh, Roberto Firmino. But he may decide that he's done a decent stint at Liverpool... He's seen Sadio Mane move on and other players come in and he may well decide that um, it's time for him to move on and maybe start a new chapter. And, and let's be honest, who could blame him? Yeah, I think he'd be going with uh, the well wishes of all the Liverpool fan base there. But we'll we'll touch on the defence just before we finish. Um, it's something that I ha- hadn't really considered myself until very recently. We, got, um, we had a story we covered on one of the Transfer Daily streams about Josko Gvardiol hinting that it was his dream club, Liverpool. Uh, used to watch him with his dad when he was a kid. And it came right around the same time as Van Dijk having a bit of a shocking first half against Brentford. And then he comes off and we find out he's out for about a month. Uh, and it's just maybe made me start to think, is it time to start thinking of a life after Virgil van Dijk and time to start looking about maybe getting a long-term successor in? Um. If you look at the defenders that Liverpool have got on paper, I would probably say no. But things change very quickly in football, don't they? And, and injuries take the toll. Um, and he suffered a particularly bad one in, in his Liverpool career. So the long term, or the, the longevity of of Virgil Van Dijk is something that could be questioned. And, and the only way we're going to see that is is by judging it on things like how long it takes him to recover. Um, and what are what are his performance levels like when he comes back into the team? Because he's still at the end of the day, he's still Liverpool's first choice centre back, and I'm yet to see a serious challenger to that role. 
We've got uh, a great centre-back in Canate, who, who enjoyed a good World Cup and kind of just edged his way back in, hasn't he, since he's come back from Qatar. Obviously, he's had a bit of a break in terms of almost being secured a first-team place by Virgil van Dijk being injured alongside Matip. Otherwise, he would have been vying with Matip for that role, I think. Um, I, I don't see Joe Gomez as, as, as being... Um, a long-term answer there, more of a squad player as far as I'm concerned. And uh, heading King Nat Phillips will probably move on uh, eventually uh, at the end of the season, I would imagine. So there may be some scope there, but whether you went for a big name to come in or not, I think I I don't think it's necessarily a pressing concern at this moment. I think the, the getting a grip of the midfield situation has got to be the priority. And I'm sure if they can get the right names in there, and if you are able to get Bellingham and one over him uh, to 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 kind of get a grip of that situation, then it may be that the focus on the defence becomes marginalised a little bit. That's the hope, anyway. Yeah, I think we're all expecting the uh, the midfield to be the main area of focus in summer. Maybe hopefully in January a bit as well. Liverpool could maybe still get a bit of business done, even though Jurgen Klopp seems to be suggesting it's not going to happen. But that is all we've got time for here on the agenda today. So, Rich, thanks for joining me, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.